When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, what the hell? I don't know. I don't what know. was that? Oh, I loved it. I loved it. Also, you know what I loved most about it? 30 seconds. Wonder what the chat thinks of the new intro. Yeah, the new intro. Tyson what loves it. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the NPR Next Podcast. Let's go. Wait, breaking news off the top. Kill, what is it? Breaking news, I hit the wrong horns. Hey! I was like, we are switching way too many things up on today's show. <laughs> we do have a full show for you today, though. Lots of topics, lots of off-season topics. We didn't talk about the Hall of Fame, which happened over the weekend, and it got me to thinking about Jokic, Jokic's eventual Hall of Fame. Who will he go in with? Who would be the best? Who would be the worst people for him to have to go alongside? Um, we're going to talk, uh, answer some more questions from yesterday's mailbag, which include... How many 30-point games will different players on the Nuggets roster have? I actually found that to be a very good exercise for where we are with this team. We're also going to talk about Peyton Watson predicting his averages coming into the year. Perfect Jokic ball, best vibesman, all kinds of questions to help me do that. Look at this gorgeous hat from Spirit Hound over here, Harrison Wind. Shout out Spirit Hounds for this awesome hat. That's a sick hat. It's I so know. sick, yeah. huh? I definitely got the best one, I think, out of... Uh, <laughs> out of the ones that were available? Oh, listen, listen, no. you get here early, and that's that's kind of the yeah. story of, of our job. I had first pick of all the Spirit Hounds hats. I, one, one in the fantasy draft. I think that's kind of where you're at in the depth chart. I'll keep it real. <laughs> Why do you guys think I relate to MPJ so much? <laughs> it's not the height. It's yeah, not yeah. the church background or the three-pointer. Hey, we all get frozen out on this show from yeah, time to from time. From time to time, yeah. Uh, there it is, the MPJ of the group. <laughs> How's it going, guys? How's it going? Beautiful so day. Uh, I really like my hat, and I like my shirt, too. I feel comfortable. I feel confident. That is a wild shirt. I don't feel as comfortable and confident as I did two seconds ago. Oh, That's, man. You have to be a special type of person to pull off that shirt, and you can pull it off. Thanks, man. That's there what I wanted go. to what hear. What a compliment, yeah. man. Harrison's compliments are like the warmest, nicest thing, isn't it? Because you know it kind of hurts him like to do the, it. Yeah. <laughs> the embrace of like you know a grandpa or something, it almost has that energy to it. Wait, you have a one-shot in this studio? I do. No, only Adam. Only on Adam? <laughs> Gosh, I look so good. Uh, host cam. Too. Wow, My interesting. Hair's on point. Interesting looking vote. good. Interesting. Guys, did you watch the Hall of Fame speeches this weekend? I did not. Like through Twitter. Not, yeah. not. Isn't that typical, though, of the Hall of Fame? I was thinking Dude, about I was this. trying to watch it. It's on NBA TV. <laughs> I couldn't even watch it. <laughs> it's really. Well, <laughs> first like, of all, I was actually trying to watch it, but I could not. It's really long, first of yeah. all. That's part of it. And then the speeches. I, who was it? It was Andre Iguodala who once said. 
Does anyone remember anyone's Hall of Fame speech except for Michael Jordan? Right. That's like literally the only Hall of Fame speech you truly remember. Mm-hmm. And no, no other ones do you. So it's kind of like one of those things where everybody gets nervous for it. It's like a big deal. And then I was thinking about it because Dirk made it to the Hall of Fame this weekend. Well-deserved, of course. And if you were a Dallas fan, that was, and I know a few, Kirk Henderson, friend of the show, that was a really big deal. He's the ice guy for you podcast <laughs> listeners. Sorry. <laughs> He's Sorry. forever the ice man. That's so great. He, he chewed ice on the show once. I was very distracting. But Dirk, um, <laughs> I was thinking, like, when Yoke eventually gets goes to the Hall of Fame, we're going to be dialed in. We're of course. Gonna, you know what I mean? And we'll remember every bit of it. But nobody who wasn't like us, a diehard Jokic fan, won't be. The same with Dirk. Like, I love Dirk. He's probably in my top 20 all-time favorite players. Did not watch his Hall of Fame speech. No. I I'm, mean, Dirk was also, I think, my second favorite player. Like, ever? This, Behind Yoke? He was the second guy who I identified as my favorite player. Who was the first? Rip Hamilton, actually. <laughs> yeah. Huge upset. Yeah. Huge upset. It was Rip Hamilton, then Dirk. I love Dirk. I hated the Heat. I hated the Heatles during those finals. Um, I was always rooting for Dirk. I love Dirk, but yeah. no, I, I did not watch. I was not dialed in for it. It's funny that you went right to the Heatles era, Dirk, because like you weren't thinking you were rooting for him against the Spurs. Was that like before you were really dialed into to basketball? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before you, so. what about who's your favorite player coming up? It was LeBron. Yeah. It was LeBron. It's so weird for me that what? that's your guy coming up. I, I will say this. There was an early – it's, not the, it's not the same thing at all, but there was an early like hint of, of Jokic to the way LeBron was misunderstood. And there was a little bit of pushing the game forward with like, I'm sorry, that guy's open. I'm making that right, right. So I was actually just blown away by watching him play yeah. every night. You know, It wasn't like um, a sentimental attachment. I was just, this is one of the best athletes I'll ever see. Yeah. The Good. chat, by the way, saying you're more AG than MPJ. What do you think about that? I, I, they're, they're saying that in a nice I, way. That's a compliment. Yeah. In the chat, it's an that's a compliment. It's a compliment. I'm just happy to be on the team. <laughs> there you go. Um, so Dirk, you know, he goes in. But what I thought was most weird about this is that he went in with Tony Parker, a rival, and Dwayne Wade, another rival. It was and awesome, actually, I thought. I thought it was... I don't know if I would say it's awesome, okay. but I thought it was interesting. And it, what, there were parts of it was cool. And again, I was like you. I watched this through Twitter, so I wasn't like dialed in, but I would see... I watched all the clips as they were like cut. Um, and I did see that Dwayne Wade in particular like called out Dirk. You know, It was just kind of like, you know, we didn't like each other while we were playing, but I'm honored to be on this team with yeah. you guys. Remember that one time when I... Faked a cough in the hallway and said you were faking being sick. This is, which by the way, can we go back? I don't know if people remember this. Who gets sick in Miami? (laughs) Well, yeah, this was in 2011. That's a great line. But I just thought it was weird (laughs) that they were fake. I thought that was weird that it was such a controversy. Well, if you remember back then, the Heat were the dark side. Yeah. Everybody hated the Heat, they were the villain. Right. So the fact that it was like them doing it was like, oh, like the, these, these we also, fucking guys. If they won, we wouldn't talk about that moment so much. It's because they did it. And right. then Dirk kind of had his Luca, yeah. like everybody's, yeah. everybody's yeah. tough when they're up kind of yeah. thing. And I think you're right. But I just remember at the time, everyone hated LeBron and the Heat mm-hmm. so much that like they blew that out of proportion. I was like, that's a minor offense that we're treating like it's some big deal. It was anyway, pretty hilarious. It was though. pretty funny. <laughs> anyway, Dirk Wade, Tony Parker, Pau Gasol, and Greg Popovich. That's the NBA class. There was other people, including Becky Hammond, but we just talk about the NBA people. That was the class. And it's funny because they're all obviously of the same era, but to me, they're kind of all like rivals. And it got me to thinking, who would be the best people for Jokic to go into the Hall of Fame with? 
Now, realistically, that means that it's like around the same era, right? You're going to retire around the same time and then you become eligible for the Hall of Fame. It almost is easier first to do this with people you don't want him to go in with. Anthony Davis, Joel Embiid <laughs> to me. It's either cool because all three of them go at the same time and it becomes this like, remember the era of Giants 3 and you know, whatever. But if it's just like two of them, I don't want him to go in with those guys. Here, right, is this here, a weird take? Could you imagine if it was Anthony Davis, Kyrie Irving, James Harden, and oh, Nikola Jokic? Like, yeah, you're like, oh my God, what is this class? That one would be bad. But like, if it's like Embiid and AD, I thought there was something kind of cool to Wade and then the Spurs, who for their stretch were so much of just the establishment of right. the great teams in the NBA. And then Dirk standing there as the the... Not the sole, but the most important disruptive figure um, in that era. The guy who was able to, like, Spurs legendary team. Wade, it's his moment, but of course we know he had his Heatles moment, played with Shaq. And then you got Dirk standing there as the guy who was there to compete and, and, right. and run against both of those squads. Mm -hmm. And so I actually thought his presence was, um, there was some power to it on the stage. Is he the number one guy? In your opinion, I well, mean, I, I mean, like in a Jokic kind of way, in a way of it's not like, Powell and it's not Tony, so it's really just Wade or Dirk. Yeah, and and my point being, like Dirk was the guy who did it in Dallas, right, and not right. necessarily on a super team. So he has this kind of Jokic esque presence of, yeah, there's the way everyone won, yeah. and then by the way, then there was me, and I deserve to be in this conversation too. Yeah, um, going through this list again. It, Anthony Davis and Joel Embiid, it honestly, is somewhat realistic that they would all go in together. Probably not, but I mean, there's at least a chance. Would it would it suck to you? Like, do you do you want? Is it important for you to Jokic be the number one guy in his class, or is it like who cares? It's who cares. I think. Like I, I don't think it's really going to matter who he goes into the Hall of Fame with. Rivals. I mean, if he goes in with a teammate, that'd be pretty cool. You don't really see that that often. Um, but seems unrealistic. I I don't think it's really going to matter who he goes in with. All right, who would who would be the best? I made a list here of some guys that are like possible candidates here. Kevin Durant, Jokic might be on the same retirement timeline. I don't doesn't move me. It doesn't move me either. Giannis you got the international thing, I guess. That one would be cool, actually. I think it'd be cool. Because I think, like I was saying earlier... From Stark Arena to Springfield. I just think it'd be cool to have <laughs> these international presents again. And it would be a very similar thing, too, of if they're going in with a class of traditional NBA superstars. And then you go, by the way, there were these two guys who maybe changed the way we talked about this as a global game forever. Right. Because they were perennially best players in basketball. I, people, I see some people in the chat saying like they're not so into this stuff. The reason I think it's cool is, to me, this was the Dirk Hall of Fame. Jordan had the Jordan Hall of Fame. Like There's always a guy that's the headliner of the Hall of Fame class. I just want the Jokic Hall of Fame class. Mm -hmm. And if you go with KD, in my opinion, Jokic's a better player, but he still is a thunder. I even thought Damian Lillard, another person that's like probably about on the same timeline as Jokic. I mean, we don't know, but could be. But, it's still the Jokic, it would still be the Jokic Hall of Fame with but Dame. But it, it could be him and... The you know the least significant Hall of Famer you could think of, and Yoke would have a shorter speech, and he would have fewer <laughs> clips. You know what I'm saying? Oh my like god, his not, speech would be so short. You know, he's not going to steal this show outside of our perspective anyway. You know, my theory. I told you guys this is my theory on Yoke. When he retires, he's going to become as tattooed as his brothers. 
So his Hall of Fame speech, he's going to be fully tattooed. What? That is a wild take. It is. It's a wild take, and I'm just saying, but it is my take. I think when he retires, he's going to get tattooed. There is no chance. So can you imagine him... Remember Wade? There is Did you see no Wade this weekend where he had no sleeves? His his under thing, it almost looked like Chippendales. Did you guys see this? I did see that. It's yeah. just such a unique look. You know, I mean, they're NBA players. They dress wild. But I could see Jokic, like, just tattooed all over. Like, you could see him tattooed? What? Is, you think this is as crazy as Wynn does? What? Uh, yeah, absolutely. first of all, absolutely. <laughs> what's, yeah. what's, what's, what's Jokic's what? post-career plans? Like, he's going to be in his farm. It's doing Duncan. exactly what he's doing right at yeah, this moment. Tim Duncan. We see him once every seven years, and he looks a little bit older, and he looks like... He hasn't worn serious clothing in a decade. Tell me in the chat if you agree. This is a wild take, but it's my prediction. I can't, is this I the take like that you were years. hyping up? No, 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 no. Pre-show? No, it's not the take. Oh, okay. <laughs> no. uh, that is a, a wild. I would be absolutely stunned if he was tatted up post-career. Stunned. And, and then I was thinking again about who would present Jokic with this. Like Tim Tetrick. <laughs> that would actually be really Wouldn't cool. It? Does it have to be an NBA player? No. Or a former NBA player? I don't player? think so, no. Tim it, does it have to be somebody in the NBA universe? It doesn't. I mean, he could literally have a Serbian guy or something, you know? Like, I was wondering, there's not a leading candidate. You know what I mean? There's not like a leading. It's if you're thinking about like a player. I mean, we're only halfway through Jokic's career, so there's a lot of time here. Jamal Murray, I would handicap as the leading candidate, maybe. Just because it's like his running mate, Stockton and Malone, you know, kind of yeah, thing. But that would be awesome. Do coaches typically um, send people into the hall? Are they presenters for anybody ever? You know, I'll be honest, I'm not sure. It seems mm. like it. So you think Malone would be next? I was thinking Ogie Storjakovich or Ogie is who I was thinking. A guy who has been with Nikola um, Jokic since he got to the NBA and yeah. who has been his right-hand man with the Nuggets for the last eight years and will probably be his right-hand man with the Nuggets for the rest of his career. Vlako Chanchar. (laughs) Could be. I mean, you never know, but I doubt it. Um, It's just no obvious person, and I just thought that was kind of cool. It could be a surprise. Like, when Jordan went in and he got David Thompson, it was a big surprise to people, right? It was well, like, how oh about uh, D-Wade going with Allen Iverson? Yeah, that's another that one. Was that's a, like, out, that was out of left field. But again, it was like Jordan, where he was like, you were my inspiration. I wore my num- that number because of you. So, I mean, in theory, it could be Tim Duncan or Dirk Nowitzki or something where it's like, oh, cool. We didn't even know, but mm, that's his idol. Tim Duncan would be cool. Um, from going from deep into the future to a little bit more recent here, one of my favorite things, we talked about this a little bit last week, but one of my favorite things is that the Nuggets left no doubt in this playoff run. But here we are two months later, and doubt has found a way back in. Just over the weekend, Kevin Garnett, in, on his podcast with Paul Pierce, made the following emphatic claim that Anthony Davis should be an MVP in the next two years because he can do everything Joel Embiid can do. He can do everything Jokic can do. Okay. Guys, we just had a series that it was two months ago. Have we? I haven't seen the clip. I've only seen the quote in a graphic. Oh, and I no. will say this. Emphatic. Well, that's, well, that's was, the only way Kevin Garnett can say <laughs> I anything. Gonna say, I kind of think KG just gets really excited sometimes. And he his does. point is that AD is arguably that caliber of big man, right? I bet you if you took him and sat him down and went skill by skill, would you say, can he do this like Yoke? He might say probably not. But I, I think you're right, by the way. He generally was saying he can play at that level, not he can literally do the exact same skills. It, I think he was it, saying he can It's also a dominate. bit of a call-out. It, it, not in a harsh Ooh. terms, but it's... 
This is what a lot of people have said about AD over the years. He should be in that tier because mm. of all the skills and tools that he has. I think right now he is decidedly not in that conversation with Jokic. And by I think, I mean, I know. And so <laughs> that's been the conversation with AD for a long time outside of the bubble is why are you not that guy? And I wonder if that's kind of what KG was hitting to as well. I just think too many players have podcasts these days. <laughs> there's there's too many NBA it's podcasts. It's out of control, and he just said it to get people to subscribe to his pod. Honestly, I don't. <laughs> that's probably the only reason. I don't why. even think that was it. I think it was this. You're right. Too many pod player podcasts. But here's the thing: to make money at podcasting, you really have to be consistent. You have to do it often. Like it's. I don't know that anybody's pulling numbers enough to do. Like I mean, outside of Bill Simmons or some of this, one or two a week. So these guys have to hop on the mic. It's like Draymond Green. His first few episodes, I was like, man, this are bangers. Then he was like, I got to do five shows in off season, like every week for the off season. And he just starts talking shit. And I think he's like is, Manscaped. Get the lawnmower yeah, four point yeah. I think this is KG where he's like, damn, I got to talk again about basketball. I don't know. Yeah, eighties as good as Jokic, but. I saw another thing that came out from the Lakers people that had like LeBron and AD stats in the playoffs, and it said who's beaten this team when they're healthy. And I was thinking, guys, it just ha are we going with they weren't healthy now? Yes. This is the thing. It's two months. Happening. It's only two months, and it's already come full circle to still the best duo in the NBA when healthy, hypothetically. AD better than Jokic still. I love it. We're back. We're ready for the season. We get mm. to get you get to be champs and in your comfort zone at the same time. We're gonna be the first. Reigning champs to be underrated. Like, oh, you here. thought the noise about the coverage from the Nuggets was annoying last year? Oh, I can't wait. Let's go, baby. <laughs> I cannot Let's wait. Michael Mullen's going to have to find a new slant, though. Yeah, he is. Obviously, they're on ring night. They got a day game on Christmas Day, it sounds like, which is 20 times better than the nightcap, which they're usually in. Have you? So you've heard about the. So is this actually a fact that the. the I haven't seen no, it. No, I haven't seen it for certain, but that's how it's being that's, reported. That's the rumor. Which, <laughs> would be a big deal, by the way. Well, hold your horses. I actually think it's because I saw somebody tweet that it's due to a San Francisco 49ers game at, <laughs> that night. Hold your, hold you your know horses. What? <laughs> hold your horses here. <laughs> that's uh. actually the reason. I was so pumped about the Nuggets. No, I, I don't think it's because they want to put the Nuggets in the middle of the day. I don't think that's it. I will say this, though. What, but what are the odds, Nuggets-Warriors, if it does get that prime time slot, it's the number one viewed game of the of Christmas Day? Zero percent. Really? I'm telling you, Nuggets- Lakers and Celtics are playing. Yeah, but yeah, I'm telling yeah. you. Dude, I'm out. I'm just telling you. I never think- Well, you are not the NBA watching population. We saw, the, we saw the numbers from the playoffs this last year. The Nuggets outperformed. They were they were extremely high on the the Nuggets. It was Nuggets Lakers, but those were like the best rated. That was the best rated series of the entire playoffs. So I'm just saying, Lakers Celtics will be the get the most ratings out of any Christmas Day game. I think easily. Guys who haven't watched the league in 20 years are yeah. gonna be like, "Have you guys heard about the Christmas oh, is Day?" Oh, Paul Pierce still playing? Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right, let's take a break. On the Here's other side, the truth. how many 30 point games will the starting five players and bench guys have next year? I'm going to give you some stats on what happened last year and previous seasons to help us project. Circa Resort and Casino, guys. Man, I love Circa. I'm staying at Circa whenever I go to Vegas from now on. We were obviously out there for Summer League. It's an awesome resort, a strip style, a strip feel resort, but on Fremont Street in downtown Vegas. It is Vegas's first ever adults-only casino resort. 
You don't think about that a lot, but you get into the casino, you get into the resort, and you're like, yeah, it's kind of nice. There are no kids here. World's well, no largest. Line, no ID line at the bar. You're that just is ordering. True. That so is it true. saves time. That is true. The world's largest sports book. It's freaking massive. Three stories, stadium style. Food. You got Victory Burger right there. Oh, yeah. You got other restaurants in Circa. Then, then you got Stadium Swim. 143 by 40 foot LED screen. The best place to watch any sporting event. We watched uh, a UFC fight when we were out there. We watched games during the day. Summer League, of course. If you're heading out to Vegas for maybe Broncos Raiders, Avs Golden Knights, book your stay with code DNVR20. You're going to get 20% off your purchase. That's a great deal. Great discount. DNVR20 for 20% off when you're booking with Circa. If you're heading out there for a sporting event, book there, stay there. You will not regret it. And we're just trying to send you to all of our favorite places. We're trying to help you out. This episode of the NVR Nuggets podcast brought to you by Illegal Pete's, mm. offering handmade mission-style burritos, bowls, and tacos crafted with responsibly sourced high-quality ingredients. What am I doing reading from the copy? All right, I'm talking to a bunch of Nuggets fans. You all know about Illegal Pete's. It's delicious, and they have a happy hours every day at all 12 locations from 3 p.m. to 8 p.m. That's why it's my go-to spot for burritos, buddies, and beers. And that's been the case in Colorado for 28 years. Check out Illegal Beats. Alrighty, we are back. I want to dive into this question about 30-point scores because we got it yesterday from Matthew Kimura in our mailbag. We didn't get to it. Predict how many 30-point or higher games will each starter have next season. I went ahead and said, let's not just do starters. Let's do bench as well. And I'll show you how we'll do it. But we'll start with the top guy, Nikola Jokic, last year had 21 30-point games. He had 22 the year before, 23 the year before that. Wow. Descending one Incredibly year, consistent, though. Dude, I, I've done this for a few Jokic stats. It's always consistent. That's it's ridiculous wild. how much you're like, man, it's just the same stuff. So 21, 22, 23 over the last couple of years. Wind? I've got to go lower. I've got to go lower. In the same order? So 20? What was he at last year? 21. 21. It went 23, 22, 21. I'll, I'll go 20, sure. Just a rounded 20. Sure, sure. Just to keep with the trend. I got to go lower, man. I mean, watching Nicole Jokic at the beginning of last season, it was so obvious. It was so apparent that he spent the first couple months of the season, the first 20, 25 games, trying to get Jamal Murray into a rhythm, trying to get Nicole or trying to get Michael Porter Jr. into a rhythm, trying to get the new guys up to speed. And um, then he turned it on. I just think he is in that mode of kind of testing out what this roster is, getting the younger guys comfortable. I think he maybe is in that mode a little longer this year than he was last year. If you just think about all the kind of question marks, all the potential new rotation pieces that the Nuggets might have, especially coming off their bench. I just think he's going to be in distributor mode and passing mode more this year than he was last year. Um, and so I'll go under. Does this change your opinion at all, uh, uh, vote, if I say last year, through the first 16 games of the year, he only had one 30-point game. Yeah. And then if we go to the last, let's see. Uh, Don't go to the last seven. 20 games. Well, I am because he <laughs> sat out, but that's part of it. He did not have one in the last seven games. So the first 16, last seven, he had zero. That means he had 
21 in the middle chunk there. Does that make you think maybe it's actually going to be more? I actually agree with Wynn's logic yeah. that those two buffers spots at the front and the be- the end are going to be longer of just him sort of, hey, you guys actually don't need me to score. <laughs> I know you really think you do tonight. You really don't. I think he'll be in that mindset. The obvious counter is that this is virtually a decision. <laughs> is Jokic capable of 24 plus? Right. Very much so. But I, I agree with Wynn's logic. I do. Here's another crazy stat. We always do the number stats, you know. I'm, I'm looking at this. They lost one, two, three, four, five games when he scored 30 or more. You know how we always do this? Like, the more he scores, the worse they are. That's it, my take. But it, yeah. but it depends on what's, what's, <laughs> what you use because they went 16 and well, 5. Well, in the playoffs, that's my take. But they okay. went 16 okay. and 5 in games he scored 30 points. I mean, they won yeah, at an even higher rate than normal when he scored a lot. I'll just swerve on this one and say I think he's going to be right around the same number and go to like 22. I'll just split the difference, his average, because I actually think that when the game gets easier, when the ball is popping, he scores more because the defense is scrambling more. And I just think that this year it's going to be a perfect push and pull where there'll be like three games in a row, Yoke scores under 20. Then three games in a row, he scores over 30 as teams just like – keep switching back and forth between strategies and it's like it doesn't guys it doesn't matter just mm-hmm. it, it you're, you're gonna score um here's the fun one though jamal murray he had seven last year he had nine the year before that and six the year before that so where are we going on this one i'll let you start vote i'm gonna go to the nine ten range you know i think it's back to it's not that many no but it it is a bump i mean i do think there's it's really hard to forget because we tried to shove it down the angst about Murray's minutes and how quickly he was so important last year. It was like a it was all it was the elephant in the room for a lot of the season, right? I think a lot of people were low-key worried about that. I think it should be different, right? It should be different with a long year behind him now, his basketball legs back underneath him. I think he's primed, if he wants to be, to be in much better shape and then have just in terms of endurance the conditioning and not worrying about his knee. If he would like to, I think he's back in that place, both mentally and physically to go 10 plus what the number is. I don't know, but let's say, let's say it's a new high. We'll say, we'll say above nine for sure. So we had seven last year, nine the year before. I mean, I'm definitely going double digits. I want to go 13. Love it. 14, 15. I mean, you guys know, I think this is going to be the year of Jamal Murray. I think he's going to take over this team a little bit in the regular season especially. And I think that happens early on in the year for sure. I think he has a bunch of these in the first you know, couple weeks of the season. I think he has a huge first couple months of the year. He's notoriously a slow starter. I think this is the year where that doesn't happen. So, um, I mean, part of, the re- part of the thinking when I'm saying it's the year of Jamal Murray is that it's going to be with his scoring mostly. I, I just think he's going to score a career high in points per game, way over 20. I, I could see him averaging you know, 24, 25 a game, and um, I think he's going over 30 a lot. Man, his first 30-point game came on November 28th last year. It was game number 20. He had 31 points, and it was against the Houston Rockets, a game Denver won in a blowout. If we look at his 30-point games, let me see where they came against. Atlanta? They were all at home except for one at Houston. He had 32. At home against Houston, New Orleans, Golden State, Lakers, Atlanta. So not really on the road a whole lot. 
here's the thing. I'm with you. In fact, I'm even more with you about the year of Jamal. I think this is going to be more like 16-17. Cool. I think he has a lot of scoring, big scoring games next year. When he gets hot, he seems to stay in that hot zone. And every year he ramps up. He's kind of slow. Then he gets hot in January or so. And then, and then you know, the rest is history. I do think it's going to be the same. I think Jamal probably has to ramp up into the year. I don't know if, like, game number one he drops 40. But I do think he ramps up a little bit quicker. And I just think from, like, December, mid-November or December on, he's perhaps, like, getting 30 points somewhat regularly. So for him, I'm going to go really high. Now the tough one. Michael Porter Jr. He had three last year. He had six the year before, full season before, and two the year before that. So he only has 11 total in his career. He had three last year. I'm going to go three again this year. (laughs) (laughs) I just think Michael Porter has a very similar year this coming season to what he did last year. I think he plays about the same type of role. I think he plays about the same type of minutes. I think he has a pretty similar stat line, to be totally honest. I think he keeps growing in the areas where he has been growing on defense, you know, moving off the ball. I think he is becoming more of a complete player, and that continues into next year. But I think his stats are going to be pretty similar because I, I do think in a way he's – He's close to maxing out what he can do in his role sure. playing alongside Nikola right. Jokic, Jamal Murray, Aaron Gordon, and Contavious Caldwell-Pope. There is a possibility that Porter's on the floor more, more games, more minutes, and that can be enough for, you know, I, I'm going to go with eight here. I'm going I'm to say eight. Wow, especially, that's five more. Especially, yeah, but I think... There was a sneaky... The heel injury really threw Porter's ear off. Now, that may just be something that happens every season. True. Prepared for that outcome. But I actually think he put a very consistent season together, and you can really track where there was a dip, and it lines up, of course, with that heel injury. I, Adam and I did this exercise together going back in his career. There are just so many more of those games than you think. Right. Where he was able yeah. to do that. And yeah. so how healthy is he? Are there diminishing returns on upping his usage even a little bit? That's a very relevant question, Wind. But I think it's in him. And let's say he does stagger like you want him to. I'll say that gives him room to get some more. I'll go with eight. I'm going to go with 11. Wow. I think he's going to double it. Wow. I'm going high on well, all. He had three last year. He had three last year. I mean, he was coming back from injury. So he that's was, tripling it. Well, I'm doubling his career. Oh, he his has career 11 high. in his career. Okay. I think he gets 11 next year. I just think his volume scoring, he's a guy that the last time we saw him fully healthy, so we would go back, not this last season, but the one before where he played a full season. When he had that stretch we were talking about, vote where it was like 11 of 12, 12 of 14, 9 of 10. Like He has these games where he just gets in a zone and it's unbelievable. But at that time, he wasn't in the circle of trust in a way where it was Great like, point. oh, Mike has it going. Let's go to Mike. Let's keep him out there. We'll pull Jamal out a little earlier. We'll keep him out there for a longer rotation, and we'll just run to him. I think this next year is the year. I do see Jokic's numbers going down. I think his peaks will still be those, those high ones, but I could see his his low games being a little bit lower than before, in large part because it's like, oh, we're giving Mike eight shots this quarter because sure. he's on fire, and he's going to hit six of them, and he's going to be at 21 points just in this quarter alone. So I think Michael Porter also has bigger single-game highs. I think his averages probably don't move that much. I just think he has a little bit bigger of these uh, big games in him. All right, Aaron Gordon last year, surprisingly, had two. 
He had one the year before that, one the year before that. Very rare for him to get 30-point games. Vote. I'll say one, but I'm going to get fun and say that it's against Orlando again. <laughs> <laughs> they play him twice. Are you sure you don't want to? Just once. Okay, just once. Okay, just yeah, once. I'll say he has two again. Okay. You guys don't have much to say about AG there. Uh, I, I'll say one. I'm with you. I don't. I think that it's actually an outlier for him to get these types of games. I could see it getting one time, but I don't. I don't think it's going to be a consistent. To me, Aaron Gordon is a more consistent guy than Michael Porter, and then in terms of the scoring, and then Porter will kind of do this like above and below him. His 30 point games, AGs are. They're basically break glass in case of emergency. Like yeah. one of the three guys is out tonight. One of the other two doesn't have it. Or right. if he's just got a mismatch. Right. Like a huge right. size mismatch. Makes a bunch of free throws too, probably. Sure. Get to the line 11 times. You make eight of them or something like that. Um, and then lastly, Bruce had one. KCP had zero. Bruce had one. Nobody else on the team. So if we take out the big four, how many 30-point games will be there from the rest of the Nuggets? I want to say zero. I'm going to say zero. Reggie Jackson? <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Actually, Actually Why not? 30 on Houston. Can Reggie Jackson yeah. not score 30 is he the most? The is he next up? <laughs> I mean, that's the real question. Who's the most likely of the non-Big Four to Hunt. get it? Uh, is it KCP? Is it Reggie? Is it somebody else? Strother gets in and just... I mean, hits. probably KCP, if we're being honest. I mean, KCP's high last year was 21. Yeah. What was Reggie's? Well, I might have been honestly higher well, than that. Wait, I'm saying with the Nuggets. Yeah, well, not with the Nuggets, but he wasn't really yeah. playing. But honestly, I want to see what his career high or his season high was last year because he might have hit 30, in which case uh, it's 27. He only had 27. And that was yeah. 36 I mean, minutes, the, the right guess is zero for sure. I, there... I would think KCP's got the best chance out of all of them, though. All right. Just getting hot. I don't think so. I think you're right. KCP gets hot and makes a bunch of three. Has a crazy game where he hits like eight, nine threes. But even then, it's like you still have to get up. To, he has to hit ten threes if it's only threes. And how many non threes is he getting? He's not running the pick and roll at any point. A couple fast break layups, some yeah. free throws at but the end he, of the game. That's like his that. one weakness as a player: fast break layups. So Reggie, I guess, could if he play like say Murray's out, and so Reggie's playing starters minutes. Does he have a, a yep. night where he goes off? That to me is the most likely. When you go past that, I don't see Zeke Naji having a 30-point night. Like I you just, don't? I mean, envisioning what that would look like seems so foreign okay, to me. I'm, I'm glad you don't. So I go straight to Christian Brown and Peyton Watson as the next most likely guys. I don't see either of them getting it. But what's a world where Christian Brown gets 30? What, what happened in the game? I don't, I don't know if he can get 30. Yeah, I, I just yeah. don't know if that can actually happen. It's a lot of free throws, right? Like he had. There's like, no way, man. <laughs> there's just no way. He goes There's just no way. Five for and five I like from him three. A lot, you Fifteen. Know? You're right. It's only halfway there. He'd have to have like double digit steals. Is it more likely that Peyton Watson gets there? I think so. Yeah, but I wouldn't say that that's likely either. It's yeah, not, it's not likely. Alex Caruso career high thirty two points. I don't know well, what that tells us about Christian Brown, but that's where my brain went. It happens. Peyton Peyton is more aggressive in just his individual offense than Christian is. I think. Like he right. will yeah, look to get point. his right. more than Christian will, I predict. Christian Brown could be like six for six, and he's not really heat checking, right? No, he he doesn't know how to heat check. Yeah. He, he will never heat check. That's it's hard just to not get, who he is. It's hard to get the thirty as an off ball player unless you're heat checking, right? Um, all right, wild card one for you. P. Watt will heat check. P, uh, wild card one for you. Summer league darling, eighty percent from three. Hunter Tyson. What are the odds he gets minutes and then just has one of those? Wancho had a 27-point game, guys. Wancho did. 
Yeah, that was only 27, though. I know. The birth of Wancho. And that man. was the Wancho game. That was the best <laughs> game of his career. It was one of the great... And it was only 27. One of the great Chris Marlowe calls of all time. The right wing, Wancho hit like his 4-3 from there, and is deep, and Chris from yells, From Wancho Land, yeah. So from Wancho Land. All right. I, I think Reggie is maybe clearly the next up. The more I do these I types of that. things, the more I think that the Nugget starters numbers might actually go up and the bench numbers yeah. individually might be more scattered. We so were that, talking about this earlier, and I predicted nobody on the bench will average 10 points a game. Yeah, you might be right, Harrison. The more we game theory this out, the more it feels Especially like you're right. Especially if the stagger's just Jamal and Mike. I mean, your best chance to do it is Reggie Jackson. It's true. It's, it's the best chance. All right, let's go to break. On the other side, retired jersey numbers. We know one is a lock. Is two jerseys currently a lock? Is Murray a lock to get his jersey retired already? What a tease. This episode of the DNVR Nuggets podcast brought to you by BetterHelp. Head to betterhelp.com slash DNVR. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. BetterHelp is entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and most of all, suited to your schedule. What you do is you go to betterhelp.com slash DNVR. Fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. You can switch therapists anytime if you want, if you're not really vibing. Um, but then you go from there. You get help from a licensed therapist. You're well on your way to better quality of life. Head to betterhelp.com slash DNVR. Like I said, just answer a few questions about yourself on a brief questionnaire and your goals, what you want to get out of therapy. You'll get an email right after that, and you'll be matched with a therapist. You guys can start talking right away. It's super easy to do. Let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash DNVR today to get 10% off your first month. Betterhelp.com slash DNVR. Get 10% off your first month. The burritos are nice. We're telling you about them twice. Illegal Pete's again, and why not? They're worth it. Uh, just check out their patios. Check out their happy hours from 3 to, 8, 3 to 8 p.m. That's every day at all 12 locations. Burritos, nachos, just all the good stuff that you love uh, from a sort of make-your-own-burrito place. But then Illegal Pete's has an edge because they got a bar. I love hanging out there. The vibes are great. The employees are great. The beer is great. The food is great. Illegal Pete's go-to spot for burritos, buddy, and beer. 28 years. Alrighty, and we are back. Let's get into this next question. It comes from Mitch. When it's all said and done, which Nuggets from this current core will have their jersey retired? Love this question. Jokic is a lock. Best player in franchise history. Even with the Carmelo confusion or whatever, he's a lock. His jersey will go up in the Raptors. I think Jamal Murray's a lock. He won a title, and even though his averages are well below, his regular season averages are well below when, like some other players in franchise history, to me, he's a lock because of what he means to this team. Brought a championship and might be the second best playoff performer all time in franchise history. I mean, at least in that conversation. Yeah, I think he's going to be a lock. I agree. Is there anything about longevity? Like if he retired tomorrow, it's still like You still do it. Is he's that sentimental? Is that too sentimental? Or it's like, no, man, he's... He's the second most important... Well, he's arguably the second most important nugget ever important not not yeah. you know i'm not saying i understand there are players with maybe david thompson uh, yeah, yeah like these massive legacies and i understand that they matter to prior generations i'm just saying there is one title and it does not happen without Trump. i'm also more lenient than a lot of people are on jersey retirements especially for an organization like the nuggets the Nuggets, what do they have? Four or five jerseys retired? I think it's more than that because now they put up Matumbo and um, five and Fat. Beck, Issel, Thompson, English, Fat, 
Six. Matumbo and Dugmo. Oh, well, Dugmo, okay. So six, yeah. I mean, the Nuggets actually have a decent amount for a team that has not won a lot, you know, in in their history. But, I mean, for teams that are looking to, like, establish their history, I'm pretty lenient on jerseys going up. And, yes, this was the first NBA championship. Jamal Murray, I mean, he just means a ton to this team, to the city, to the state. He will going forward. So I I think it's a lock. Full lock. He's also going to be at the top of a lot of – I did this on Locked On a couple weeks back where I was looking at records that will be broken this upcoming season – Murray and Jokic in the playoffs, first of all, are going to be one, two in almost every stat. That's uh, games played, games won, points scored, assists. They're going to be one, two, which is really cool. And then regular season, he's going to be top 10 in almost every category. He'll probably be top five in most main categories just because, one, he's played a lot of years and been a productive player. So he's going to be in the record books. I think he's a lock. MPJ, now it gets a little tough. MPJ projecting forward. Will he have his jersey retired? I'll say no. I'll say no. If he finishes his career in Denver and they win another one, I'll say yes. He's talked about his career being 30, right, to 30 years yep. old. So that's like five more years basically if for he, him. If, if he does it all in Denver and they've won two titles, two or more, I'll say yes. Yeah, I mean, if this is a Duncan, Parker, Ginobili trio, then yeah, Why for not? sure. Is for it, sure. though? Is it a trio? I kind of feel like it's a foursome. I mean, Aaron and, and that's Gordon, fine with me no, too. By I mean, the way. yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I wasn't saying me, it's, me, it's just a tree. But well, if it's that, if it's a Spurs type of thing, dynasty type of run, yeah, for sure. For you, it's a one more title. I think all it would take is one, and then playing all of the years in Denver. What do you think it takes? Same. He's not a lock to be clear. Yeah, he's got to get at least one, and he's got to play pretty much his entire career here. I'd say. I think there's a decent chance for it because, again, I think the Nuggets window title window is still wide open. I still have a lot of faith in him. And Michael Porter, obviously, I think there's a good chance he plays with the Nuggets for at least the next three years, you know, and if not for his entire career after this point. And then if Denver has the success. But I almost think that Aaron Gordon, I also just think, is going to be with the Nuggets for the next three or four years. Maybe they move on from him in two years right. like when his contract right. comes to an end. But I kind of just think that he's going to be around. He just went to Sambor. He's doing all this. I feel like he likes it. And I wonder if Gordon and MPJ become tied to each other. And that if it was just one of them, you know, may, I don't know what you do, but then sure. you look at it, if they win two titles, maybe three titles, you just go, you know what? All four of those guys were there for the whole run. They're all yeah. at Yoke's Hall of Fame speech, right? Yeah. They're, they're not all being inducted, but they're all there. And it's, yeah. it's and they have, I, I think that's very possible. I also think it's tough because retiring numbers actually kind of boxes you in in a lot of ways like if it was just a circle of fame or whatever you put all five of these guys in the nuggets have zero titles before last year zero they now have one so in my opinion all five of these guys are nuggets legends forever right if they can add another one yeah start retiring numbers man let's remember this group together yeah yeah i like it um I like that question. I thought it was great. I will say my official prediction, Jokic and Murray are locks. Definitely. And I will go ahead and say I'll bet Murray and Gordon end up getting retired as well. Porter and Gordon. Or Porter and Gordon. Porter and Gordon end up getting retired as well because I think Denver wins at least one more and those guys play together for a long enough stretch that they're like, you know what? It's a fun question. Michael Malone will get the Doug Moe treatment too. That, that maybe actually Doug Moe I mean, he's, he's gonna pass Doug if he's, he's gonna have he's the a, most he's a lock actually yeah, yeah. he's the Nuggets greatest coach he's only of all a lock time. if he plays next or if he coaches next season because this year they'd have to win like sixty five games I think is the number for him to pass mm-hmm. Doug Moe like almost certainly not going to happen but that means if they win fifty five this year he only needs ten next yeah. year so he's a, almost a lock to pass Doug Moe. 
Doug Moe's jersey retired. Yeah. So maybe. Um, Christian Brown, too early to tell. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. Probably man. a little too early. Pey- Peyton Watson, you know, I mean, if, if he's as good as they say. Um, this question comes from Adam in Broomfield. Will Malone be more or less intense next season? Love this question. I've got to think he's going to be less intense. I, If he's more intense, he's out of freaking control. Like, he's got to be less intense. I think he will be. I mean, people don't understand how much pressure is on an NBA head coach. I mean, there was a lot of pressure on Nicole Jokic last year. There was a lot. There's pressure on Jamal Murray. I think... The only person that had more pressure than Michael Malone was probably Nikola Jokic, though. Like Malone was under pressure last year to deliver. I mean, he had questions about his playoff resume. He had questions about the type of coach he was in the playoffs. And he was so locked in all year long. Like, he was dialed in, man. He was so focused all year long. They got the championship. I think he's very hungry for another. I mean, the first chance he got after the championship to talk about it he goes yeah we're running it back and we're coming for another one we're going to win it again next year so i think he's going to be locked in again but night to night i think he's going to be less intense jamal murray after the title and michael malone over the years have reflected at the podium about this and when you ask for areas of growth in malone over the years multiple guys specifically jamal will tell you he's actually calmed down a bit And there's something to that. If Malone lets up too much, maybe they never play defense in the regular season. They never build those habits. Second round exit. If he pushes too hard, he risks alienating some guys that frankly know what to do when it counts. That's a balance. And I think a big part of Malone's growth that we've heard from inside that locker room is that he's learned how to keep his edge, but I think kind of relax a little bit. And that's going a long way in his ability to communicate in the huddles. Maybe that's just a media take, but it's something that they've at least said into the mic. So I'm going to agree with Wind and say, Comer Moach. I'm going to disagree with you guys. That's more fun. I'm going to disagree with you guys. I think it makes the sense, the, the logic that you guys are applying to all of this. But we all know what's the saying, like you have a game plan until you get punched in the mouth. Denver Nuggets have a very young team with unproven guys off the bench. Michael Malone freaks out when he has that situation. Doesn't matter. I don't know that the perspective that he has of like, well, we want a title and I see the long game. I think he'll have that when he's at his home drinking his scotch after a game and like decompressing. I think he'll have that. IPA. IPA. And, you know, he goes to all of these different things. I think he'll have that. But during a game, when Peyton Watson misses a rotation and Zeke and this or that, I think he is going to be so intense and so fired up because he has fewer vets, fewer vets than he did last year. He's going to have more Zeke Najis and more Christian this Browns well and Peyton Watson. It's well argued. He's and, like, Justin! Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm telling you, I would not be surprised if Michael Malone on Media Day comes in and says, you know, we went young and I'm with it and I'm all about it. And then come December or so, he's like... I got all these young guys who don't have a veteran team, and there's Is other that teams gonna that got be veteran. the theme of his media day spiel. What about a position about we, we went young? I honestly, yes, and like, and I know, and you know, and he's gonna be on board with it. But at some point, until until, and then he's gonna have these little quips of like, uh, you know, a lot of teams when they win a title, they grab veterans. We did a different thing this year, <laughs> and it's gonna be like, wow, that's that's that part's happening. How about how about you the, might be right. How about the open position battle at the three? 
<laughs> all the way through the depth chart. That's what I'm taking. <laughs> in training camp. Now, listen, Justin Holiday is working hard. He's played yeah, well. He's the starter by the end of the year. We're just no one. Nothing's guaranteed on this team. Nothing's assumed on this team. <laughs> That'd be hilarious if it, after a title and Michael Porter going into year four, he's like still an open battle. <laughs> this spot all right let's take a break one last break on the other side peyton watson what's his season average is there any player whose season averages are harder to predict than peyton watson i think it might be the hardest we'll do that on the other side when you get hurt bax and shanker is here to help bax and shanker wins for colorado families they've been doing so for more than 25 years and the coolest thing about bax and shanker you don't pay them any money until they win your case. No upfront fees, no fees while they work on your case. You only have to pay them when you're getting a lot of money for winning your case. So give them a call today. They've got the easiest number to remember, 222-2222. That's their number. Call up Bax and Shanker. They've won over $1 billion for their clients, and they also have neighborhood offices in Denver, Aurora, Englewood, and Fort Collins. Bax and Shanker helps with all kinds of injury cases where you weren't at fault. Car accidents, motorcycle, rideshare, pedestrians, trucks. They can even help you if you're injured at work. Give them a call, 303-222-2222 to find out if you have a case for free. Bax and Shanker wins. Is that it? Oh, no, it's not it. It's not it. I'm actually so locked in. I'm too locked in, and so that's why I messed that's, up. Yeah, happens all the time. Shady Rays take on the sun with gear built to last and gear built to make you look pretty dope. I love Shady Rays because sunglasses make most of us look pretty cool, but you shouldn't have to pay too much for them. And you definitely shouldn't have to worry about losing or breaking them or just realizing once you got home that maybe they don't sit quite as well as you thought. If you lose a pair, lose a pair, break a pair, even one day, uh, you just decide you don't like it. They'll send you a brand new pair, no questions asked. Wear your Shady Rays with confidence because they have your back after your purchase. It gets better too if you're listening to this here podcast. Shady Rays is giving out their best deal of the season. Go to ShadyRays.com and use code DNVR. You'll get 50% off. That's half off two plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself. The shade's rated five stars by over 250,000 people. All right. Let's back here. Final segment, DNVR Nuggets podcast on a Tuesday. Don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts if you have not already. Give us a five star. We haven't gotten a review in a while. So say something nice to us on the reviews there. Boost that up so people discover us. You can yeah. say something mean, but just make sure you put five stars That's first. right. Just oh. roast vote. I also yeah. want to say not this Friday, but next Friday, the 25th, we're doing a book signing at the bar, at the DNVR bar, Golden Era. The book we put out, we're signing it, and we're having a whole event, a live show downstairs at the bar, so come through. It's going to be a Six, great Friday night. 6 p.m. Friday, and then afterwards, guess what we'll do? Hang out and drink beer together. Like Talk what we usually do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, bring your copy if you have one. If you don't have one, this might be a great time to get one. Yeah. So come see us. Come the book hang out. is super rad, man. Um, are you ready for my big take? No. Oh, this we're, is the take. We're going to okay. talk about All Peyton right. Watson. This is the take vote. You're we're, ready. We're going to talk about Peyton Watson, and I think I, I found... Forgot. Who I believe I thought is, it was Jokic's tats. No, who I believe is his best comp. But I feel so good about oh, this take. Oh man, oh man. Okay. Peyton Watson, who should we be hoping for him to be? Fuck. I'm nervous. Gerald Wallace. <sighs> I I really uh, thought I'd have uh, a stronger uh, reaction. I, I was hyped <laughs> up and now I'm not. You're not hyped up for this. Gerald Wallace was a great player. His problem was he played with the Charlotte Bobcats. Gerald Wallace, and the reason I thought of it was today I saw on the timeline only three players in NBA history have averaged in a season two blocks and two steals. They are Akeem Olajuwon, David Robinson, and Gerald Wallace. What 
a stat. What a crazy stat. Now, two blocks, two steals does feel like if there was a player that could pull it off, Peyton Watson just fits that mold. He gets blocks and steals, does he not? No, you're right. He does. And Gerald Wallace was underrated because, he again, he played on one of the worst teams in the worst eras of basketball. And no, if he was a Laker, he would be Lamar Odom. He would be thought of as this right. guy that's like the third best player it on the team. It was a, a big deal title. that they got him at all. And, and he didn't get to be a big deal there, but acquiring him was a big deal. Who's that? Gerald Wallace. I'm yeah. saying like he was a hyped player at the time. He's oh, yeah, yeah. Lost to, the, yeah. Uh, lost to history. You know? Lost to history. Crash was his nickname. He was a great, great player. He averaged at his peak 19 and a half points a game. If I told you Peyton Watson's peak scoring is 19 and a half, that feels good, Attainable. right? It feels optimistic. It feels actually. optimistic. Like 19 say. and a half yeah. is a lot, That's of, a lot of points. Man. Jamal Murray's averaged that twice in his career, right, so yeah. far. Michael Porter hasn't yet, so that's a lot of points. I don't think he'll get there for about a 10-year stretch. He averaged between 12 and 16, which to me feels again. But he was a defensive guy that got blocks, steals, and just made it, rebounds, made a huge impact. And he was a good player on bad team. Peyton Watson, to me, could be Gerald Wallace, a really high-impact defensive player who has a well-rounded offensive game. Um, I think it's a good comp. Um, I really do. I'm not, I'm not bullshitting. <laughs> not trolling I, I, I think it is a really good comp, not one that gets the people going, but I think it's a realistic, accurate comp, even though I cannot for the life of me remember what Gerald Wallace looked like when he was playing. It, it, <laughs> I, I have no idea like what his game He's looked like. He's kind of like Sean Marion. It's just that Sean Marion was on good teams and Gerald Wallace when was on When did Gerald Wallace ones? retire? It was like right, 2000. I have zero recollection of ever watching Gerald Wallace play an NBA he, game. <laughs> he he really his last real year was 2012. Actually, no, 2011. No, uh -huh. 2012. 2012. He was yeah. in Portland. His last little stint there, and I think that was like no recollection. The Lamar uh, Lamarcus Aldridge, I believe, Portland teams. What this does do though is help outline the edges and limits of the archetype, right? So. That would be the very best Burt version. But when you're trying to figure out how can a guy that looks like Peyton Watson, like with the physical tools, help a team that looks like Denver, you know, and it's not going to be like, it's probably not going to be, hey, can you get up to 22 points per game or whatever? It's, you want him to be able to score on the fast break. You want him to be able to take a mismatch one on one. But it's really about what he brings you with the ranginess and the versatility and the blocks and the steals and how that can create easy offense going the other way. So I like that it sort of helps us. Like, what would an A-plus Peyton Watson look like? Right. I think that's a sort of a fun way to help us understand his role. I, there's a lot of guys like this, by the way, like like, like Trevor Ariza. If I would have said Trevor Ariza, everyone would have been like, ooh, championship. <laughs> Joe Walsh better than Trevor Ariza, but he was on the Charlotte Bobcats instead of playing with the Lakers or what have you. It's the same like Andre Karolinko is one of the all-time versatile utility men, like best best of that mold. But he wasn't on one of the glam teams, so he almost gets lost in the shuffle. Gerald Walsh, really good. All right, so I just wanted to use that in mind because it helps my projection here. When we try to picture what is Peyton Watson's season average, this comes to us from our friend of the show, Crystal Ghost. What will his season averages be next year? Let's start with minutes. Last year, Jeff Green played 19 minutes. Reggie Jackson played 19 and a half minutes. Bones played 19 minutes. Christian Brown played 15 and a half minutes. So 19 for the veteran guys that played, 15 and a half for Christian Brown. What do you think Peyton will average minute-wise next year? I'll say around 15. Ooh, lower than Christian Brown. Yeah. Yeah. I'll say around 15 per game. Um, 
Well, the thing is with Christian Brown, I mean, there were some nights when he played high 20s and some nights when he played two. That's true. And that kind of messed with his average a lot. But I, I think Peyton Watson has a very similar season to what Christian Brown had last year. I really do. And Christian Brown played around 15 minutes per game. That's what I'll slot Peyton Watson at. I think early in the year, his minutes could really fluctuate. Some nights were like, why isn't this guy playing? You know? And other nights he's, you know, playing 20, 25 minutes and having a huge impact. And then as the year goes on, I think he carves out a bigger and bigger spot in the rotation. And by the end of the year, by the playoffs, he's in the playoff rotation just like Christian Brown was. Up for debate as to how much the Vlaco injury impacted this, but this would almost work better for Peyton if you could envision him as a four more cleanly, right? But there's a little bit of... Okay, you probably want him as the small forward. How do you get him as the small forward? Is that Porter staggering? Is that likely? Mm. So then it's, you know what I mean? So it, there's a little bit of, does this get to be the clean sort of entry, right, for Peyton that it, it briefly looked like? So there, I have some questions there. I'll go 16, 17, just because I think they need bodies mm -hmm. and he's young and, and he can be one. They had 15 games last year where he played three minutes or fewer, including DNPs. He had six DNPs. He had nine games where he played three minutes or fewer. That's basically garbage time. Three minutes is like we put you in at garbage time, right? Or you got yanked so fast. Will he, Peyton Watson have more or less than 15 games with three minutes or less next year? I'm sorry. Can you say that question again? 15 games with three minutes or less, including DNPs. I'll say less. Fewer. Yeah, yeah fewer. 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 Yeah, I then, agree. Then if that's the case, I'm going to go with 17 minutes because okay. I think that there's a chance that, unlike Christian Brown, there are not players ahead of him, like clearly defined veteran players ahead of him. He's actually competing more with Zeke Naji and Hunter Tyson and Justin Holiday. yes. But again, I just I think that that's an easier person to beat out than what Christian Brown was facing, which was let's just play our veteran players a little bit more minutes or, or what have you. So I think 17. All right, let's go to points. Christian Brown last year averaged 4.7. Jeff Green averaged 7.8. Mm. I'll say he averages around seven per game. More than Christian Brown did last yeah. year. Because what a lot of people don't know about Watt yet and what they'll find out about him is like, he can be an aggressive offensive player. Mm. He will look to score the ball. Where, where Christian Brown, you know, there are a lot of times where he was almost afraid to look for his own offense and afraid to shoot it a lot of times, sometimes hesitant to attack the rim, especially early on in the season. I think P. Watt is coming into next season with a lot of confidence, a lot to prove. He's excited to like have his first real shot at rotation minutes. And um, I just think he is, at his core, a way more aggressive individual offensive player than Christian Brown is. And how he would look for his shot can fit into this bench's hopeful MO in that if it's a transition and he sees a lane or if it's a smaller guy trying to get back on D, Peyton's going to the rim. All right, maybe maybe there's a big difference between his summer league mentality and his NBA mentality, but I would think actually not in that context, right? If it's a fast break, he's looking to score and he's and he's confident about it. So there, there is a five to six points per game. I'll say six that he can pick up, I think, within the flow of what the bench is trying to do. I think it's six points. I will say, though, he played the minutes we're talking about. He played 17 minutes or more 
just six times, and he scored five, 13, three, eight, 10, and six. So he scored six or more in four of the six games, and including a 13 and a 10. I think it's going to be somewhere around six. If we go to rebounds, Jeff Green averaged two and a half, famously. Christian Brown, two and a half. What will he? What do you think uh, Peyton will average? Ah, oh, I'm very delighted to say three. <laughs> three sounds good. It's funny because that's a big bump up. It's just not that much because he doesn't play that many minutes. Right. But it would be a big rate bump up if he got all the way up to three. I, I think Brown does this very well from essentially a guard position. I think it's different when you look like Peyton. You can jump like Peyton. Yeah, and. Stuff maybe once upon a time in Jeff's career he could have done certainly was not doing in Denver. He he should out rebound both of those guys. I'm gonna say two and a half because I just think it's gonna be in line with Jeff and Christian. Unfortunately, a slight few minutes. Assist per game, Jeff well, averaged one point two, Christian zero point eight. Probably close to Christian. Probably zero, under, like under one. Under one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I put over. Like I feel like he might actually have a little bit more assist to his game than than Christian Brown does, just because I think the ball will be in his hands a little bit more. Uh, steals per game. This is the fun one. Here's what's crazy. So steals and blocks are what Peyton Watson does, right? These are the numbers we should maybe be a little more bullish on. Bruce Brown had 1.1 steals per game. KCP led the team with 1.5. So in 17-ish minutes, 15 to 17 minutes, what's he going to get in steals? I bet he averages at least one. Is there a chance he leads the team in steals off the bench? Yeah. The Nuggets don't really get steals. Uh, yeah. yeah. There's I mean, a chance. KCP would have to catch. 1.5. Sure. It's not. It's on the table, but I'm just saying that's the guy he's racing. I mean, KCP does steal the ball. I put one because I think he's going to get one a game. And then blocks. 1.1. Or, or I'm sorry. AG led the team last year with 0.8. Man, the Nuggets did not block shots last year. They never I think really P-Watt's going to have more blocks than steals. He gets a lot of blocks. Like well, dove shot blocks. He no, he, yeah, that's his thing. Yeah, yeah, he he has like an, a a wider margin for error and knows it. Maybe arguably an area of improvement as well. But I think sometimes he's a little willing to let you. All right, you got that first step, but I'm blocking this from behind. You know, I put zero point nine steals, one point one blocks. I'm with you, slightly more blocks than steals. Yeah. But I kind of feel like he might get one a game. And I do think that Denver, if I'm Malone. I'm building that second unit's identity around going for those because I just feel like, you know what? Christian a defensive-minded second unit? Except for it's a specific type of defense, this right? This Michael not, Malone's music. Well, it's not necessarily just a perfect contain. It's a let's fly around, man. We Ooh, have guys maybe that can not shoot the cap. That's yeah, my point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like there might be a little bit of a we have this guy that's so good at that. Let's play. And that's even if you think... If you think about the defensive highlights we've seen from Peyton so far, which, by the way, are bona fide highlights, they're not... There, it's it's really not him locking up a guy and staying in front, right? Yeah. It's him wreaking havoc, blocking those Steph Curry shots most right. memorably. But that's the kind of thing you can do when, okay, it's Piwat, Christian's out there, Zeke Naj is out there. These guys can fly around. These guys can switch. These guys can kind of take some more gambles. So it's probably not as disciplined as Malone wants. But again, yeah. you want to run. You just want to run. Yeah. All right, that's Peyton for next year. It's hard to project, man. I honestly feel like he's the hardest player to just kind of know what we're going to get from. I do think the steals and blocks are almost the easiest to project because I just think that's the one thing he does in any setting. So totally. I think we'll get it. Totally. All right, that does it for Tuesday's show, guys. We will be back. Eric will be back with us again tomorrow. Hit that like button for us. Rock's pod coming up. Rock's pod coming up. <laughs>